Score North Download, Declan Goff, Rami Makloff, and Phil Mackey. Your WrestleMania 4 review coming up next here on Score North Live. But Score North is all in for Vikings Draft Week. It's 36 hours of purple starting Wednesday at 11 a.m. and running all the way through the first round of the NFL Draft on Thursday night. Yes, you heard it right. 36 straight hours of Purple Talk, No Sleep for Us, presented by Dennis Kirk and the Canopy Group this Wednesday and Thursday on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North app. That's right, a $1,000 giveaway, too, if you nail that Vikings first round pick. At scorenorth.com, Matthew Collar has his Vikings blueprint, what they can do on draft night, and Judd Zolget also has some Vikings draft strategies and the many questions that surround the 2020 Vikings going forward. Be sure to check that out at scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. But now it is time for the WrestleMania 4 review. Now, Australian Ultimania is over. <laughs> hey, how about getting your how about getting your foot off my shoulder? There is no empathy! Hey! The best, the best is seeing him literally being choked out by that's, Andre the Giant. That's a great Euclid right there. How about getting your foot off my shoulder? It was his hand, but his yeah. hand is so big that it looks like a foot because he's Andre the Giant. That's a great, great Euclid. It is Rewind Mania every Monday oh, at yeah. this time. If you're watching on the stream at Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook, you will see Macho Mackey in full effect with the robe, the glasses, the hat, the whole nine. And uh, this is uh, this is going to be a regular thing now, isn't it? Oh yeah! What you do? Uh, tell me a little something about the draft K one K giveaway. Yeah, I'll get you a lot of slim gyms with that one K. You could, you could buy a lot, of, a lot slim of slim gyms. Probably yeah. about a thousand of them. I think they're a buck. Yeah, I don't know. It's been a long time since think, I've eaten a slim gym. I think this makes me miss Elizabeth if Rami or if Phil is talking to me like this. You know I don't know yeah. if I have the body yeah. or the or the figure to look like this. Actually, I have the figure. For landmark yeah. night in the career and life of Macho Mackey, and not so just good. because. He hoisted a championship at night. Let's just say old Miss Elizabeth had a little fun around the town with much old Mackey as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. WrestleMania 4, March 27th, 1988, from the Trump Plaza in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Let's start there, actually. Okay. We can start there. Because it wasn't actually inside Trump Plaza. And WrestleMania 5 was also inside Trump Plaza. What do you mean? Where it was, was it, it was the Atlantic City Convention Center, and it was next door to Trump Plaza. But Trump Plaza was the main sponsor for WrestleMania oh. four and five, so they made it seem like mm. the event was being held inside Trump Plaza. Okay, and I'm not look. This isn't anti-Trump. All right, I've done that before, but this isn't that. There was something very weird. Tread lightly, Maclove. Yeah, about our former president being trash talked by Hulk Hogan. During WrestleMania 4. Declan, please, if you will. It is Andre the Giant falls into the ocean as my next two opponents fall in the ocean floor and I pin him. So will Donald Trump and all the Hulkamaniacs. But as Donald Trump hangs onto the top of the Trump Plaza with his family under his other arm as they sink to the bottom of the sea, thank God Donald Trump's a Hulkamaniac. He'll know enough to let go of his materialistic possessions, hang on to the wife and kids, dog paddle with his life all the way to safety. Donald, if something happens, you run out of gas, and all those little Hulkamaniacs run out of gas. Just hang on to the largest back in the world, and I'll dog paddle us, backstroke all of us to safety. 
dude, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, <laughs> there was something super surreal about that right there. I don't, I don't care who you are. And again, this isn't pro-Trump. This isn't anti-Trump. That was weird in hindsight. I mean, also, not? like, if you put all the pieces together there and just transport all of that to 2020, is Hulk Hogan saying that he can save us from coronavirus? Uh, with his backstroke and doggy paddle. <laughs> Hulk, if you're listening, please help us all. Help us all. If I'm Joe Biden, I'd buy that piece of footage right there and just make it a campaign ad, <laughs> to be honest with oh. you, or try to recreate it. It probably has been. <laughs> that Amazing. Was, that was so weird and so surreal. What was your guys' least favorite thing about WrestleMania for? Wow. Because I have one clear-cut, distinct thing that was my least favorite Fire thing. Fire away. You go first. About WrestleMania 4. It was all, and I, dude, I love Bob Euchre. I love Bob Euchre, the baseball announcer. I love Bob Euchre's comedy. He was one of the best Tonight Show guests in the history of Tonight Show guests. The creepiness of Bob Euchre and Vanna White in this thing was yeah. off the charts, dude. Super off the charts. There were two subplots in WrestleMania 4. One was the 14 man tournament to crown a WWF champion, right? That's the main subplot. The other main subplot was four hours of creepy Bob Euchre trying to track down Vanna White. And Vanna White is really bad at talking. <laughs> well, that's. I think that's why she's probably stayed in her lane for 40 years on Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, she's a vampire. She's just, just, just go turn the letters. Yeah. She was super bad at talking when she finally got a microphone in front of her. But all the Bob Euchre, Vanna White stuff, like you could have you could have left that out and you wouldn't have lost a thing in terms of entertainment value in WrestleMania 4. Yeah, at one point, Gene Okerlund was interviewing Vanna White in front of the updated tournament bracket. Do we have that, Declan? Do we have the Vanna White sound? I no, thought I texted the, you yesterday um, and asked you to pull Vanna White being bad at talking. I shockingly did not. Okay, so and, li- okay. and literally, like, this is right after... Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan had their double disqualification, right? And so Gene Okerlund goes and, she, and he's explaining the bracket. And, oh, my, you know, it's, I'm here with Vanna White. And we just saw a double disqualification, which means neither Hulk Hogan or Andre the Giant will be moving on to the next round. So-and-so gets a bye. What do you think about all this, Vanna White? And she goes, I still think the Hulkster's going to win or something. <laughs> oh, Vanna, pay attention to the tournament. Vanna. <laughs> Ridiculous. So that was my least Be favorite thing. Be a professional. Thing. That was my least favorite thing about WrestleMania 4. What about you guys? I think my least favorite thing was, uh, it, it was sort of a, a compilation of all of the different steroid and character wrestlers of the WWF. Like I, I, I never liked the over-the-top characters, and this was really the entry point to... You're mostly in one of two bins. You're either a jacked up 80 steroid guy like Don the Rock Morocco and Dino Bravo and Ultimate Warrior made his debut, right? And uh, Hercules, like clearly not doing it the natural way. Ultimate Warrior. Right, right. Made his WrestleMania debut in this. Um, So those are like the the steroid guys. But then you had the characters too, like Brutus the Barber Beefcake and the... (laughs) Elvis impersonator Honky Tonk Man, who I once did an hour and a half interview with, and it was amazing for a podcast we used to have called Sports Over Beers. He told amazing stories. I'll find the audio at some point. We can play it on the show. Uh, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, who I think we'll get to that. He's amazing. Hacksaw, like everyone had to have a, it couldn't just be like 
all right, it's Declan Goff, and he's good on the microphone. It's like, you got to be a barber yeah. or a police officer or something like that. It just felt like every match was just Gimmicky. a blast in the face. Of, like, demolition. It's a dominatrix tag team. Yeah, but like, where did they, did they get out of a dominatrix ring right before that? They like, did, Their outfit yeah. was very creepy. I had that written down in my notes. The reason that I love this so much is because... I told you guys WrestleMania 3 was like when, when it started to look like what I remembered as the wrestling of my childhood. The guys who they rolled out in this thing, match after match after match after match, they turned out to be like the what this was. Last last WrestleMania, WrestleMania 3, it started to look like the wrestling that I recognized in my childhood. This is when it went full-fledged. Like, Strike Force was my favorite tag Strike team Force, ever. Strike Force, dude. Favorite tag team ever. Ever. Tito Santana and Rick Martel. Demolition. Uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Honky Tonk Man. Like the the ultimate warrior. Like one after another after another after another. Guys are walking out to the ring where I was like, oh man, that's my dude. Yeah. In general, by the way, this is one of my favorite WrestleManias of all time. It was so great. I had Ricky a, Steamboat. I had a hard coming time out coming Ricky up Jr. with. I had a hard time coming up with least favorite things because in general, it's one of my favorite WrestleManias. But to your point about Strike Force, you had all these tag teams like the Rockers, Strike Force. There was another one from WrestleMania 3 that I forget. It was like the first match. But the formula for putting out a good guy tag team was so easy in the late 80s. Find a couple of guys who aren't like the biggest guys and they can move around and they can like do drop kicks and stuff. And have them dress alike, come up with a corny name for them, like the Rockers or Strike Force, that sounds like it could be an 80s metal band, and put some peppy rock music behind them when they run to the ring with smiles. Like, that's the formula. And it worked. I would even say, currently, the biggest problem, one of the bigger problems of WWE, there's multiple, but their lack of draw of tag teams. They have just not been able to capture that magic of tag teams for Vince the last 10 years. Vince doesn't like tag teams. And, and he's clearly just phasing it out and it's not even relevant anymore back yeah. in the day tag team champions were were the truth and tag man. team wrestling was amazing i brought this up last week like it was there was an art to tag team wrestling back in the day the the fluidness and and, and just teamwork and like they were they were in intrinsically on the same page and in sync and like everybody everybody knew what their partner was going to do next it was like it was like a dance it was so synchronized and coordinated that, and so smooth that it was. It, there was an art form to tag team wrestling back in the days, and teams like the Killer Bees, Strike Force, the Killer Bees is another Demolition, one. Jim uh, Brunzel, friend of the show, by the, the way, Rockers. Like these tag teams, it was different than watching a one-on-one wrestling match in so many ways. Yeah. So I, I would say the other least favorite thing about WrestleMania Four. The combination of either wildly inappropriate or insensitive comments by Jesse Ventura or like like the, some things I had on my list of you could never do this in 2020 without getting filleted or fired. Jesse Ventura at one point referred to Bobby Heenan looking like a Chinaman, quote unquote. I did not catch that. No. Okay. He also said Vanna White tastes great and is less filling, referring to the, Ooh. is it the Miller Lite yeah. tagline? Yes, because Bobby was, was doing Miller Lite commercials at the time. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, who we'll get to, for several years in the late 1980s and early 90s, had a servant named Virgil who was African American. It yeah. would was like... Mostly just his slave, would, I guess. He had, a, he had a black guy dressed up as a butler yeah. with no sleeves. Oh, like, all right, Following God. him around and not speaking a word. Yeah. 
<laughs> that was his role. Doesn't quite hold up it in was, 2020. It was so weird, dude. So uncomfortable watching that. And then Hulk Hogan damn near killed poor Virgil with the worst form suplex I've ever seen outside of the ring on the ramp on the way out of the ring. Like I, I think he was really hurt. He didn't make his way back out to the ring the rest of the night. I'm pretty sure he was really hurt. And Hulk Hogan damn near almost killed poor Virgil, who already yeah. was playing basically Ted DiBiase's slave. That wasn't enough embarrassment for him. He had to get damn near killed by Hulk Hogan and his terrible wrestling form. This was in the era where they hadn't quite explored or perfected how to work outside the ring yet. So like they would sort of venture outside the ring a little bit, and you see it more and more in WrestleMania 3 and 4. And you know between WrestleMania 1 and 4, they finally have padding outside the ring and a little bit more room to operate, and they got the guardrails up. But they don't like they didn't really know how to use steel chairs yet, and they don't really know how to like suplex each other onto the mat or the steel, whatever, like the mm-hmm. steps outside and yeah. things like that. Yeah. They were still feeling their way around before we got to the Mick Foley era in the late 1990s. Where like, oh, not only are we working outside the ring, but everyone has a barbed wire bat and lights people on fire. So <laughs> our first, the first appearance, well, the first. First time a steel chair played a major role in a WrestleMania was right here in WrestleMania 4. We talked about all the wrestlers who I have attachments to. I have an attachment to steel chairs and their involvement in wrestling. And this was the first time we saw a steel chair make an appearance in the squared circle. That made yeah. me happy. Yeah, Hulk Hogan uh, Hulk Hogan played a factor in the final match, which, by the way, spoiler alert, Macho Man Randy Savage winning his first championship over... The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. You're getting ahead of me here. Okay. You're getting a little bit ahead of me here because I know it's the main event and it's the crescendo. It's the climax moment of the whole thing. But that Hogan and Macho Man and the Mega Powers, when they teamed up, and this was sort of the beginning of that, it holds a special place in my heart as far as wrestling goes. And I'm not even going to lie, guys. I, I will give you full disclosure here, full transparency. I got a little choked up, which is so stupid, but I got a little choked up watching Hogan, the Macho Man, and Miss Elizabeth yeah. up on Macho Man's shoulder celebrating him winning the title because this, this holds such a special place for me in my wrestling heart. And I I, I might go back. Mackie is... Do they put Saturday Night Main Event oh, yeah. on the all WWE of app? All of it. That's yeah, all there. I might go and watch the Saturday Night Main Event where the Mega, mega Powers break up between now and next week, because I, I assume that sets up WrestleMania 5. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. They had an 18-month plan for WrestleMania 4 and 5. It's it's such a good show. That Saturday night main event, so Elizabeth gets knocked out by accident at ringside. Hogan picks her up, carries her into the back for medical attention, and the Macho Man gets his ass kicked, and he's none too pleased about it, and that's that's how the mega powers break up, and I, I might just go back and watch that to get me ready for next week's WrestleMania well, the, at some point this and, week. And WrestleMania 4 was kind of the official spot where the mega powers, like, they had been doing some stuff and tagging and stuff, but this was the official, alright, Hogan has helped Macho Man by delivering a steel chair shot to even the score to the back of Ted DiBiase, right? And the best part was, and this is like the simplicity of how you can get fans to cheer in 1988, and it just became a lot more complicated 10 years later. But Andre the Giant continued to interfere in the championship match on behalf of Ted DiBiase. So Macho Man whispers something to Miss Elizabeth, points to the back, and the crowd starts to buzz like, oh my God, what did he tell her? Oh, wait, he told her to go get Hogan. And then they start chanting for Hulk Hogan. Like it was it was genius booking. I had storylines. I had chills. Hogan comes walking out to even the score, grabs the steel chair, sets it down, and sits down with his arms crossed. Crowd goes crazy. 
Like, of course, it was also of the eight or nine years of Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania one through nine. I want to say he couldn't just like it, it couldn't just be a main event without Hulk Hogan, even if no, somebody you know else was winning the championship. Like a he lot, always had to be part of it, and that's fine. Of, I'm just a saying. lot of people give him a hard time for that. Nor should there be a main event or a top-of-the-card fight that doesn't in some way, shape, or form include Hulk Hogan. I'll harken back to the first segment when we were talking about Michael Jordan. Hulk Hogan, at the time, was the Michael Jordan of wrestling, and he should have been involved in the championship match at every major event. I have no problem with with that or with him insisting upon that. I'm totally fine with that because that's how it should be. Okay, can we? since we're on this storyline, can I give you my favorite part about WrestleMania 4 here? Yes, please do. Okay. So the tournament was amazing. My favorite part about WrestleMania 4 was it's a combination of the backstory leading up to the tournament and the greatness of the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, who I believe is the single most underrated bad guy in the history of WWE or WWF. Agreed. All right, here's the backstory. So Ted DiBiase comes in. He's the hottest bad guy in the business at that point, playing an evil millionaire character. And if you're not familiar, here's Ted DiBiase. Wealth is what it's all about, Oakland. It's the bottom line. And my wealth runs deeper than just dollars because I'm rich in ring prowess, flush with technical skill, and extremely well off when it comes to wrestling ability. Well, you may indeed be a great wrestler, Ted DiBiase, but I can't help but think tonight you're up to something. <laughs> it's not what I'm up to, Oakland. It's what it all comes down to. And what it all comes down to is this. Money isn't everything. It's the only thing. And everyone, everyone has a price for the million-dollar man. <laughs> Nobody had a better evil laugh in wrestling Agreed. than the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. <laughs> Just amazing. So a few months before WrestleMania, Ted DiBiase offers Hulk Hogan a large sum of money to sell the championship belt yeah. to Ted DiBiase. Hogan refuses, and that's also part of Saturday Night Main Event, where he, you know, he's he's going to make his decision in hell no, right? And the crowd goes crazy. So at the Royal Rumble in January, and WrestleMania is in April, Hogan and Andre have a contract signing for the championship rematch. The rematch takes place at Saturday Night Main Event in February. Andre the Giant beats Hulk Hogan in part because the Million Dollar Man paid a referee lookalike to rig the finish. In real life, they had twin referees who, Dave and Earl Hebner. Uh, So Million Dollar Man pays to rig the finish, and shortly after Andre the Giant gets the championship, he sells the championship to Ted DiBiase. The president of the WWF says, okay, we can't do this. You're being stripped of the title. And we're going to hold a tournament, a 14-man tournament, and pair Andre and Hogan in the first round. So, like, the fact that Ted DiBiase is trying to pay, like, a million dollars to win the championship leading up to this and then he, was amazing. He bought Andre the Giant and got him to essentially plot a double disqualification and right. get Hogan and the Giant <laughs> out of the way in Ted DiBiase's path to the championship. It's just a brilliant storyline. Really what can was. I say? No, it really, it really, really was. Couple of ancillary things about this that I that I loved. Um, Bob Euchre walking to the ring and getting mobbed and hugged by a guy with a heater in his mouth. That was awesome. <laughs> People are just smoking so, inside yeah. the convention somebody, center. Somebody went over the rail with a heater in their mouth and ran up and hugged Bob Euchre before security could pull him off. And by the way, security didn't even look that upset. People were much more lax about these yeah. things back then. It looked like they just kind of pulled him off and were like, "All right, buddy, back to Whatever, your seat." Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they didn't kick him out or anything, or at least it didn't seem like they were too. 
worked up about it. I love Matilda the Bulldog. Oh, Matilda's the best. I'm a dog lover. Do you guys want to hear a really sad, disturbing note uh, from listener Mike about Matilda the Bulldog, or sure. should I leave that? Should I leave that be? No, let's that's here. Listener let's put Mike it all out has there. an encyclopedic knowledge of WrestleMania and sends us some liner notes every week for this segment. This is I couldn't believe this when I read it. Matilda the Bulldog would meet her untimely demise not long after this show when, for some reason, Dynamite Kid shot her in the head. What? Matilda was replaced by a new Bulldog, Winston. I warned you guys. You wanted it. I warned you. Mackie wanted it. <laughs> what? That's that's what Mike says in, in the lighter notes for WrestleMania, Dude, man. that is disturbing. That's, that's so disturbing. So disturbing. By the way, Dynamite Kid also one of the more disturbing stories in wrestling history. It was one of the best performers and workers and i think he suffered like some some bad back injury and then wound up in a wheelchair and mm. depressed and just kind of a i love that the too. bulldog would go after uh who was who was it that wasn't pat patterson i forget the manager bobby the, heenan bobby man. heenan yeah he was going after bobby the, brain. the brain it was the Showed best up part. In a straight jacket so he could avoid getting bitten and, and you know until they had no real interest in actually attacking bobby well, heenan though that i was, don't know because if you, dogs can sense fear in other people i believe that <laughs> yes just like bees agreed <laughs> and you can tell if he played it off that that dog wanted to chomp Bobby Heenan so bad. I love Matilda. Watching her walk to the ring was amazing. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I don't know that I had a bigger celebrity crush on any woman than I did Miss Elizabeth, and watch because she played a much bigger role in this WrestleMania than she did previous. It stirred up so many feelings of ten-year-old Rami <laughs> watching Miss Elizabeth yeah. in WrestleMania four. She was, she was. Just gorgeous and like sweet and nice and supportive of the macho man. Like everything about her was like what ten year old Rami wanted in his in his future Dude, life. It is sad that in that main event of the five people involved, so million dollar man, macho man, Miss Elizabeth, Andre the Giant Hulk Hogan, three of the five are gone. Macho yeah. Man, Elizabeth, and Andre the Giant. Uh, Ted DiBiase, I think, has been a producer and an agent for WWE for a long time behind oh, really? the scenes. Yeah. Okay. One other factoid from this: this was the WrestleMania debut for Bad News Brown, who will make appearances in the next couple weeks as well. Bad News Brown was one of the great 1980s bad guy wrestlers. He was kind of Stone Cold Steve Austin before Steve Austin, that he just hated all wrestlers and was just down to business. And little known fact, he actually won a bronze medal at the 1976 Olympic Games in Montreal in judo. So when you see really? in, in the match that he wrestles, he delivers a swift kick to the back of somebody's head. I can't remember. And it's like, wait, wait wow, Bad News Brown, flexible, being able to get that right leg up to the back of somebody's head. It's because he's a judo master. Wow. So Bad News Brown. All right, let's give this one its rating, guys. So we have five categories, storytelling, execution, match psychology, timing, and innovation. And this score is high across the board for me. I don't know about you guys. Storytelling, it's from a zero to a one in each category. So the best score it can get cumulatively is a five. Storytelling is a one. It's a one. The whole, the whole, the whole tournament for the championship, the whole getting together of the mega powers and taking down DiBiase and the giant, just everything about it. Brilliant. It's a perfect one. Uh, execution, I'm going to give a point seven. Where are you guys at on execution? Yeah, I think that's probably right. I, I, the tournament was cool, but it, it, it took a long time to get there. Forever. And also, I didn't like the double DQ with Andre and Hogan. Yeah, I didn't really. I like would actually that. give execution a point five because I think they bit off more than they could chew with this big of a tournament. Okay. Like every match was like five minutes, except they had a fifteen minute time limit I'll meet situation. You in the and say a point six. Okay. okay. Match psychology, I give a point eight. I'm giving it a one. Everything a one? was amazing. Really? Yeah. Declan, if you say a one, it's a one. It's I'll a go one. Yeah, that's right. fine. So we have a one, a point six, and another one. Timing. 
I gave it a point seven for timing. In terms of like, was it dragging? Yeah, it's I was like a point seven sounds right yeah, to me. Yeah, that's fine. And innovation a point five. Innovation to me is a one because they pulled a tournament off. That's true. It's and the they first started ever. using steel chairs. Yeah. You know what? I'll go with you. It's a one. Okay. I'll give it a one. So altogether, let's see, one point. That is uh, four point four. Four point four out of five for WrestleMania. That's pretty dang good. Amazing. Pretty good, boys. Best, best one yet. WrestleMania five. Yeah, months of one of the best nights of my life. That's Macho right. Mackey. Thank you. Is out. Matthew Collar is in for hour two of Score North Live. We'll get his thoughts on the Last Dance, Vikings, NFL Draft, the chaos that may ensue there. Lots coming up. Hour two of Score North Live. Right after this, fifteen hundred scorenorth.com and the Score North app. Yours. Speaker is the radio that everyone used to gather around. That was then. This is now. Just say, Alexa, open Score North. Score North is giving away $1,000 to someone who correctly predicts the first draft pick by the Purple in this week's draft in the Vikings Draft Day 1K giveaway. Here's how you can win. Download the Score North app, register your app, and enter to win in listening rewards, and follow the directions for the Draft Day 